0: Now, we're, today we're gonna to be talking about getting a new name and uh, and the uh, impact that that can have. Uh, most of us don't remember when we were given our first name. It would have happened at some point uh, during birth or shortly beforehand. Uh, but all of us who have been married, our wives know, the women in our congregation know what it means to get a new name and some of the hassles that, are, uh, uh, comp- that accompany that, but also, the idea that as a new person, as a married person, now I get a new identity. Some have wondered whether it shouldn't be both for the male as well as for the female. Uh, uh, and in our particular society, that's not the way it works. But uh, so so our women, our married women, uh, have experienced that, many of them. Uh, any person that has been adopted or has adopted children know that there's often a name change that that, that occurs. Uh, Sometimes we're given a name as a kid and we either adopt it as our own or we grow into a different name. Uh, Sometimes when you move from one culture to another, you lose part of your name. Uh, It it was pretty fascinating and we could spend a lot of time just thinking through this, but uh, um, uh, many of our celebrities that we know uh, were not born with those names that we know them by. For example, uh, Kirk Douglas, was raised was born into and raised by a family of poor illiterate russian immigrants and when he was born his name was isur dianelovich and he chose kirk douglas as his stage name which fits better on the marquee he said uh, jennifer aniston we we many of us are familiar with her um, her name when she was born was jennifer lynn Anastasakis. And her father, who went into sew business, shortened it and modified it, made it more American or English uh, to Aniston and she adopted her, her father's name. Uh, Meg Ryan, who is another well-known actress, her real name is Margaret Mary Emily Anne Hyra. And so she shortened it to Meg and then adopted her grandmother's maiden name, Ryan, as her last. Uh, Bruno Mars, well, it's probably no surprise that that's not his real name, he was born Peter Jean Hernandez, and says, as young as two years old, his dad nicknamed him Bruno, and then one day he was just kind of playing with his name, and he chose Mars because he said it was bigger than life, at least life on Earth, and so he went with Bruno Mars. Uh, Alicia Keys, the singer's name and impressive piano skills are no coincidence. She changed her name from Alicia Augello Cook, to indicate (coughs) her love for music. And we know her as Alicia Keys, the amazing singer and pianist. One more, Joaquin Phoenix was born Joaquin Rafael Bottom. And that was their last name. And their dad decided in their family to change that last name from Bottom to Phoenix to represent a new beginning and a new stage in their life. So so name changes are important. And our primary character today is Jacob. And we're going to be looking at the time and the moment when God changes his name uh, uh, and he no longer is Jacob, but then he becomes Israel. Now, uh, uh, you'll remember that that Jacob Jacob had problems as a young man and as a boy in his family with his older twin uh, Esau. He wanted the blessing, and he found a way to get it. First, by the the, the ble- he, he managed to negotiate uh, the 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 blessing of the firstborn from Esau through some food, and then he actually deceived and lied to his father in order to get the blessing of the family for uh, uh, for himself. Esau was understandably understandably upset, wanted to kill him. So Jacob fled to Haran, where he was. Looking for a wife, he fell in love head over heels with Rachel, but then he was deceived and ended up marrying, uh, first of all, her older sister Leah, who evidently was not quite as attractive, but at the same time uh, 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 should have been loved. And that's what we talked about last week, but wasn't. Well, after 20 years in Haran, longer than he probably ever imagined, uh, he ran into some trouble because he had outwitted and uh, uh, manipulated uh, the wealth of his father-in-law Laban. And so now he was an extremely wealthy man, but he couldn't stay around in Haran, so he makes his way back home. And on the way, he has another encounter with God. Remember that he found, or God found him when he was running, and that's where he has this dream of the staircase or stairway to heaven and the angels coming up and down. Well, this time in Genesis chapter 32... We also see angels appearing the only two times in his life, and there is an encounter with God. This scene is a moment of crisis for Jacob. Uh, He's running for his life, and he has just heard word that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Jacob assumes the worst, assumes that Esau is coming with 400 men to kill him, to kill all of his family, to take over all of his inheritance, the things that he had uh, um, uh, 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 achieved, even though it wasn't under the best of circumstances. And so he's afraid. And he does what many of us do when we're afraid. He prayed. Now, before I read his prayer in Genesis 32, I want to remind you of the prayer or the promise or vow he made to God back in Genesis chapter 28. In chapter 28, we read these words. If God will indeed be with me, and if he will protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then, and you can almost answer or see, and only then, The Lord will certainly be my God. Unfortunately, that prayer sounds a lot like some of the prayers I have offered and perhaps we have offered. God, I'll be faithful to you if you do all these things and if you make my life exactly what I want. Well, a lot of time has passed, 20 years, and now Jacob is afraid, but he's much more mature. And so I want to share what he says in his prayer in verses. um, uh, Let me make sure I have the right verses here. Nine and following. Uh, Jacob prays, O God of my grandfather Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. Verse 10, Genesis 32. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan, I own nothing except a walking stick. And now my household fills two large camps. O oh, oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you promised me I will surely treat you kindly and will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as sands along the seashore, too many to count. That is a prayer, I think, worthy of even our imitation. Three basic points in the prayer. First, he starts off recognizing God. He recognizes God as the one who spoke to him of his ancestors, of his forefathers, and recognizes the place that God has as God and as Lord then he humbles himself before god and recognizes and confesses that he is not worthy of all that god wants to give him he he recognizes he's afraid he's transparent before the lord and only then does he move into the third part of the prayer which is to ask for his specific request which is salvation for him and that God would honor the promise that he made, recognize who God is, humble ourselves before the Lord, and then, according to God's faithfulness and his plan, save us or give us what we're asking. I I think that prayer sets up what happens next uh in, in Jacob's life, which is a wrestling match in the middle of the night. While after his prayer, he's by himself. It's nighttime. And what we see is that it is actually the stranger, the man, or this individual who initiates the wrestling match. Listen to what the text says beginning in verse 22 of Genesis 32. During the night, Jacob got up and took his wives, his servants' wives, his 11 sons across the Jabbok River with them. After taking him to the other side, he sent over all his positions, his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and, it, and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless or until you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And then later, Jacob will call that place Peniel, the face of God, because he said he recognized that he had fought face-to-face with God or a supernatural being. Hosea chapter 12 suggests that it was an angel of God, but Jacob recognized what it was. Why did God need to wrestle Jacob? Why did God enter into this? And then when Jacob was asking for a blessing, what was the blessing? The blessing wasn't more material things. The blessing was a new name. And and, and as the man asks Jacob his name, and Jacob says, eh, Jacob, it almost sounds as if he's saying it guilty. Uh, uh, all his life he's been known as the, the heel grabber, the, the guy that looks and goes after everything he can by his own strength. He's the guy that would do anything to get ahead, even if it hurt family and other people in his life. And this stranger that we know was the very representation of God himself gives Jacob what he so desperately needed, a new chance, a new opportunity with a new name. The idea that God wants to give him is that the old, scrapping, scheming Jacob is gone And now there'll be a new person in his place. But then (laughs) the name itself is a bit strange because it doesn't mean that Jacob struggles with God. It actually means that God struggles or God strives, and you understand, with Jacob. God is the one who is struggling. And then it gets even stranger when the angel says that Jacob has overcome. How do you struggle with God or have God struggle with you and you overcome? Jacob is exhausted. He's crippled and at the mercy of the angel. He has 400 men waiting to take him out in his mind. This new name was a new lease on life and an opportunity that God was giving him to start over. But what it was also pointing out is that Jacob's identity hasn't changed and won't change. God, while Jacob will change, but God hasn't. God has been struggling with Jacob since the very beginning, since before he was born. And not only is this... Jacob's name, but it's also the name for God's people. And as we think about the history of God's interaction with his people, we realize God has been struggling with his people all along. You know, we often picture our life with God as a struggle. We're trying to pray and get God to do the things that we need and the things that we want to to make it forward and to survive and to, to be God's people here on this earth. But have you ever imagined that the real struggle is that God is struggling with us? (laughs) That we're the ones that he's struggling with? We're trying to bend God around us. And what God has been doing is trying to get us to see that he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a goal for us. And at times, we're the ones who are getting in the way. And so he gets our attention any way he can. A crisis, perhaps a pandemic, conflict in our marriage or in our family, a health scare, and a diagnosis or test results that come back bad. And we do everything we can to hold it together. We do everything we can to, 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 to move forward. And, and many times we can't and we come crashing down and we're exhausted and we are crushed and there's no more battle left in us. And when that moment hits, that's when we realize that we're on the banks of the Jabbok River. We are where Jacob is in our story. Have you ever heard of the ancient practice of alchemy? It was where in the medieval times, the forerunners of who are now our chemists and scientists tried to find a way to turn ordinary metals into gold. And that was through alchemy. Well, God is trying to do the same thing with us. He's trying to move us through a process of of transformation so that we can also be like gold. But the problem is is we resist because we have our own desires. I've never done this, but they tell me and what I've seen in videos is that if a lifeguard is trying to save a drowning person, The best thing that the drowning person can do is to give up, to go limp, and allow the lifeguard to save him. The harder the drowning person tries to save his own life, the quicker his own demise will be, and perhaps even the demise of the lifeguard. In order to save yourself, you have to stop trying to do that. God loves us where we are but he also loves us so deeply he's willing to move heaven and earth so that we can become transformed to who he really wants us to be. No, there's not a single individual, there's not a single church that is where God wants. And the quicker we can come to that realization, I, I think the further down the road we'll be towards God finishing his work in us. What is God struggling about in your life? Where is God needing to wrestle us to say, I just need Jim or Carlos or David or Alfonso, whoever else is in our family, in our church. What is it that God is struggling with us about? What is it that he's struggling with the Sunset Church about? We know what he wants. Love God, love people, both neighbor and enemy. But, you know, so often our response is, well, if they would just stop doing all this stuff or if they would just do right, then we would have peace and harmony. And maybe part of the challenge that we've realized in these times of pandemic and these times of situations that we're seeing uh, in in the world around us, maybe what God is trying to do is to get us to the point where we look at ourselves in a harder, harsher light than perhaps we ever have to say, what do I need to change and to give up? Maybe God needs to uh, struggle with us in our bitterness, our pride, uh, our unhealthy habits. Maybe he wants to modify, uh, wants us to modify expectations of people around us. Whatever it is, the quickest way to allowing God to be God and us to overcome is by becoming limp and letting God win the battle as we struggle with him. God wants to give us a new name. He wants to give us a new identity. I love what Isaiah chapter 62 says. The first verses, Isaiah makes this contrast. No longer shall we be known as the desolate or forsaken city or people but rather we will be called the city of God's delight and will be called the bride of God. That's what does God desires for us. He wants us to be his bride. He wants us to be that gold that is worth more than anything else. But in order to get there, we have to be purified. We have to stop our struggle. And so as you go through this week, and you find yourself struggling with God, ask yourself, is this God struggling with me? And in what ways do I need to allow him to be the Lord and God of my life? God bless you. I'm going to invite our brother Alfonso to come and pray. Uh, May God bless your week. Thank you.